Welcome to Decrypt, Asia's first blockchain and cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Tushar. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Asian blockchain scene with investors, technologists, and industry insiders. Go to decrypt.asia to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram to join in the discussions. Hi, guys. Today, we have a very interesting guest, Sandeep from Matic Network. Uh, Matic Network recently came into the limelight because it's going to be going on the Binance Launchpad on the 24th of April. Uh, so we want to discuss uh, with Sandeep a little bit about Ethereum scalability, how Matic came about, how did the uh, the journey in terms of getting to uh, Binance Launchpad, what was that journey like and how difficult or easy that was uh, and what it, what it means to be one of the leading projects coming out of the Indian crypto and blockchain ecosystem. Welcome to the show, Sandeep. Uh, thanks, Dushar, for inviting me here. And, uh, you know, thanks to the uh, Decrypt Asia team to, you know, for providing me the opportunity to be here. Sure. So scalability has been uh, a problem in Ethereum for a while. When did you realize that you wanted to work on solving this problem? And when did you realize that you had a good solution for this problem, actually? So uh, not only Ethereum, I think scalability is the biggest problem right now with the, the blockchains. Like when we say scalability, we mean, you know, the first of all, more applications can build on top of it. And then second thing is that, uh, you know, applications of payments are being. And then, you know, second thing is that uh, it should be more user friendly. That means the, you know, the, the speed and the, and the transaction costs a bit light. So, so that's a problem with, uh, with blockchains in general. Uh, talking specifically about Matic and how we came to, you know, came into, you know, specifically into Matic and what we are doing here is that, so, so basically, uh, you know, we were, I mean, we have been in blockchain space for long. I, all three of us, the co-founders come from a technical background and we've been, you know, doing various kind of research and, you know, other consulting kind of assignments in blockchain, uh, in that way. So, uh, you know, we were actually looking for, uh, you know, some payment solutions in a non like blockchain, uh, you know, application before. And, uh, you know, we realized that that kind of payments, you know, UPI and other things like were not making sense because it needed some, uh, you know, this, that was a Twitter based idea and things like that. So we were looking for a global payment system and then we realized that, okay, blockchain, I mean, that time it was like huge, huge buzz in November or October of 2017 and uh, we thought that why not use cryptocurrency and when we started exploring it we realized that uh, you know there are there are large scale problems in it and then so you know we needed that scalable and low cost transactions so we went into you know uh, into exploring various scalability and then you know low cost transaction uh, you know uh, spaces and then you know came on to plasma realized that okay this is really cool started uh, you know i mean genti was prolifically contributing into plasma and v3 you know v3 also were discussing uh, offline you know all of these things like what's what are the challenges and how we can take it out and then you know uh, in that course why we were you know collaborating on some some of these research problems uh, you know genti uh, developed that plasma mvp uh, first one of the few first application implementations of plasma mvp and then you know we, we we saw that okay that this is really great 
and we should uh, you know this can this can be really big and also there were a lot of problems in the existing you know large stream mainstream plasma space so we realized that okay these implementations will not be able to go online because of the usability and implementability issues which eventually in the hindsight we are correct because you know we used we still don't have a you know uh, omisegos like the original like the plasma online and, and in production and whatever plasma implementations uh, are there they again have usability issues although you know they are in the mainstream limelight usability wise there there are problems and we can discuss more into that into like plasma cache and, and things like that so so yeah i mean so we realized that those are some of the problems and the matic implementation but we thought about having account based implementation will solve a large number of these problems and in the hindsight in the last one year we actually have solved most of those problems and now you know ready to take it uh, out into the wild so yeah so that's that's a bit of a story behind it yeah uh, sounds good so you know the couple of words that you said i think multiple times which we'll dig into both scalability as well as usability i think those are the kind of two big pillars that you guys are trying to focus on uh, there have been multiple chats about scalability i think it's very confusing for some of the audience as well you know you hear things like sharding then you hear things like plasma side chains child chains state channels payment channels and it's all really really confusing so what i want to do is i mean overall i know we want to keep this interview really short but very quickly we want to go through these you know uh, terms and i think one of your blog posts and i'll link up the blog post in the show notes as well did a really good job of explaining all the different efforts um in terms of scalability and how you guys fit in uh, uh, and how matic kind of complements uh, some of the other scalability issues and fits yeah. in uh, so let's start so let's i mean let's I, i want to take it step by step so that we don't confuse anyone so uh, i mean i guess if we take like a triangular approach at least that's how it is in my head so at the very base layer you have the main chain ethereum right which itself has scalability issues um sharding is one of the sort of layer one scalability uh, solutions mm -hmm. could you very quickly talk about what yeah. sharding is and how that helps ethereum to scale correct correct so you know just to 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 pounce onto that i will i will just take a step back and you know uh, first discuss about the the large or the long term visions of uh, you know layer 1 and layer 2 teams that are working with so we as a layer 2 team we have a long term vision that no matter how how scaled you know l1 becomes it will always be insufficient if we want them to be like global either global payment systems or either global you know application platform so you know imagine that you know somebody saying that okay bitcoin blockchain in itself will become so scalable that you know every single small micro transaction that you will be buying your coffee every morning on bitcoin blockchain it it does not make sense you know logically also if you see the network topology and the kind of trade offs it takes to you know to to decentralize the transactions uh, you know the trade offs result in you know the the speed and the and the cost being high so uh, you know so so we we as a team believe that layer 1 will never be like you know full blown uh you know end end user transaction layer it will always be a settlement layer and we think that a large number of these computations will move off chain and there will be there will be a scope of multiple layer 2 solutions uh, depending upon maybe use cases some of the layer 2 solutions would be uh, you know good for some use case and other ones would be good for some other use cases so 
you know computation will help happen off chain and the settlements will happen on the layer one is what our is a goal goal with goal is now coming back to that that okay what are the scaling efforts on layer one side so uh, that that blog post you mentioned is actually is a very good one i would recommend every you know uh, viewer here to just go through it and go through that diagram pyramid actually so layer on layer one primarily people are you know trying to approach uh, things like sharding to you know scale the layer one and break it down into multiple small small blockchains which contribute you know uh, I mean, collaborate each other and become like one single uh, network. Like you know, there there are there have been many big projects like Quarkchain and Zilliqa who have been working on on these solutions. Ethereum itself has a you know a Casper and big sharding roadmap. So so that's on the layer one. Those are like one of the biggest approaches. And then you know having more optimal uh, you know. Uh, consensus mechanisms like POS, which is less, uh, you know, computation, uh, you know, specific and, and things like that are also some of the efforts on the, so this is the layer one side of it. And there are multiple like ZK snarks based, you know, having very small proofs and, and, you know, reducing the size of proofs and all that is our layer one approaches. The layer two approaches primarily come, come with three uh, biggest flavors. So one is like state channels, which has been the, like the most explored state. The second one is the side channel approach, uh, you know, where a uh, side chain approach, sorry. So where you have like these full blown side chains, side blockchains, which keep on, uh, you know, sometimes we call them checkpointing uh, chains. So they keep on checkpointing uh, their, uh, you know, snapshots onto the main chain. That's the second uh, side chain approach. And the third one, very less trodden is the true bit approach. So, so we come from the specifically from the side chain part. And on the sidechain also, we implement sidechains using Plasma. So Plasma is a framework which, you know, gives you some guidelines around or some security and, uh, you know, decentralization related guidelines to take these computations off chain. And, uh, you know, and state channels, the, the previous one is the most like many people won't know that Lightning Network is, is, is a form of like state channel uh, implementation on Bitcoin. And on on Ethereum also there have been multiple attempts. Even now, like Seller Network is a is, is is one project which is working on state channels. And then you know Counterfactual has been Raiden Network. These these projects have been uh, you know state channel on Ethereum. We come on from the Plasma, which is the second part I was telling that Plasma sidechain related uh, background. So yeah. Sure. So I think to summarize, I think, uh, so you, you know, you, we mentioned uh, as far as, so layer one at the very base level, uh, mm -hmm. we have sharding on, on the second level. We have three categories that you mentioned. The first one is state channels and there's, you know, you mentioned some projects, seller, Raiden, uh, uh, in the second sort of category, which is where you've fallen, you've got, uh, you've got some, uh, sort of people who you can work with as well, or maybe, Kind of, they could be your competitors also. So you've got projects like Scale, you've got projects like uh, Loom uh, yourself, and then you know the third category, which has not been explored too much, is to um, is uh, something like Truebit. Um, yeah. So could you, you know, as let's focus on what your domain is. So let's talk about Plasma. Um, mm -hmm. So you're a side chain. Um, how does I mean for for a layman who's you know kind of trying to understand how Matic works or how Plasma works. What is a side chain and, and how does it interact with the main chain? Why have a side chain? Yeah. Yeah. So again, like why have a side chain is the, is the, is the question that, you know, uh, 
I mean, doing all the transactions on Ethereum, we just discussed that it's it's not uh, you know viable, business friendly, application friendly, user friendly. So taking these computations off chain, you need side chains. Now, how Matic side chains work is that so these are full blown like EVM side chains. Like you can actually deploy your smart contracts and you know assets have assets on this. So these side these side chains you know have their own consensus mechanism, and then they have a validator layer in between which keeps on checkpointing the uh, you know the, the 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 snapshots you can call it in a very layman language that what is happening on the side chain it keeps on taking a snapshot every 256 blocks that means around roughly around uh, you know 5 uh, minutes and it keeps on you know putting that proof to the main chain now what there here's when plasma comes into space so there are other like side chain projects also which do not use plasma so we'll also try to contrast that how that dif is different from a plasma kind of side chain. So what happens is that, uh, you know, the, whenever, you know, every five minutes, there is a, there is a consensus that happens between the, between the validator layer, which is a fully decentralized layer. And it, you know, validates all the block transactions that have happened on the side chain and creates a proof and submits on the main chain. Now plasma framework, using plasma framework, it gives additional powers to the end user where they can validate some of their transactions or state transitions on the main chain itself. So the, 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 the concern here is that if you want to have these freely and fully trusted side chain, you know, side chain ecosystem in the future, then these side chains, even if some side chain or the other goes rogue, the end user should be able to exit their assets from to the main chain itself. They don't need to keep their like dependent on, they don't need to be dependent on the side chain to, you know, to, to give their, give back their assets, which is not there, which, which feature is not there with non-plasma side chain. So for example, let's say POA chain, right? So once you take your asset from Ethereum main chain to POA chain, and then if something, so you are fully dependent on the uh, consensus mechanism of POA chain. If something wrong happens over there, you know, if, if some, uh, 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 the the validators collude or whatever, then you have no no right, you know, on the main chain. Or if somebody censors you or that network censors you, they have, you have no way to take out your assets from there. Now with plasma or like on Matic side chains, if something even something bad happens for a user, you can actually come on the main chain or go to a C Ethereum smart contract and simply ask that okay, hey, I need my assets back from the side chain, and then you can exit it from the main chain itself. So that's one thing. Second bigger thing comes is the fraud proofs. Like if let's say in 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 a particular like scenario, people collude and and you know on the side chain there is some fraudulent activity happening. Anybody from the public can come onto the main chain and and challenge a particular transaction on the side chain. Like you know using the proofs I just mentioned that we keep on putting the proof to the main chain. Using that proof, anybody can come and say that hey you know this transaction that happened uh, on my account or whatever X, XYZ's account is, is not valid and you can, they can actually run a fraud proof. If, if the fraud proof is successful, the challenge is successful, then the challenger, you know, the challenger is able to slash all the stakes of these, uh, you know, validators, which actually, so this is also one important thing. The stakes of these validators are on Ethereum main chain. So even if they try to do something fishy, you can actually, you know, have a lot of control on them because their stakes uh, are there on Ethereum main chain, right? So, so you know, so uh, I was saying that if a challenger succeeds, then what 
then he is able to slash the large amount of the you know stake security deposits or the stakes of these validators and he gets a big reward so it's actually an incentive for the uh, you know the public community to uh, you know to to challenge any of the transactions if they find any problems with that it's kind of like a multi million dollar bounty program running 24 cross 7 so if you see and you know see what what these uh, and what 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 plasma is trying to exp uh, you know uh, enforce here is that additional security measures on the main chain itself for side chain computations that's the bottom line of that uh, could you give examples of other non plasma side chains beyond poa I think POA and I think GoChain is also something similar, uh, but okay. I don't know of other, uh, you know, side chains. Okay. And just to understand, I mean, I think what we'll do is, uh, you know, quickly go into some of the dApps uh, that are building on Matic as well as some of the partnerships that you have. But like one last uh, question more on the technical side is just to dig a little bit more into what you just described. I think you described it in a very, very, very easy to follow uh, manner uh, in terms of the relationship between the side chain as well as the main chain but in terms of your consensus mechanism um, so you've got stakers so like I just want to understand who the different stakeholders are and where they fit in right so you've got people who actually have stake uh, you know um, so if you own um, I don't know what your token is going to be called is it Matic, Matic? Matic? okay uh, so people who have you know Matic can be, uh, you know, they are the stakers. Are they the same as you man mentioned validators? Are validators the ones producing the new blocks? Yeah, yeah. so so yeah. basically the validator layer is a, you know, is a fairly big layer where you have a you know, large number of validators over there. They are the, like, the validators is actually the stakers. So oh, it's the same. Okay. you have to be a staker. Now okay. out of those validators, randomly some small, a small set of validators are selected which are able to produce blocks also okay right? so because you know they will be quick in in their uh, you know transmission of blocks and and produce faster blocks other validators however would be there to validate it and that that random set of block producers also keeps on changing right so every let's say dynasty period it will change so that the the overall process is to like break down the problems of decentralization into multiple layers so a very famous thing is the like uh, decentralization or, or scalability trilemma from Vitalik Buterin. It says that out of security, scalability and decentralization, you can choose only two. So if you see this, this structure, like the architecture of Matic, and I sometimes, you know, find it very beautiful, but it's very simple that you are actually breaking that, breaking the overall system into three layers, block producer layer, validator layer, and the main chain itself. So you are reducing the number of uh, people in the block producer layer by a random mechanism. Uh, which which are able to produce faster blocks, so they reduce the they they solve the scalability over there in terms of faster number of transactions and all. But then that if you have small small number of uh, you know block producers, then you become something like a EOS and then things like that where you have like you know 20 21 block producers, which is actually you know what they have tried to do is that reduce the number of participants in the block in the in the consensus. But so but they are all alone with that, right? So but in our case, let's say this number small number of block producer produce blocks, but on top of them they have one more layer which is the validator layer, which all of like all the validators are going to validate whatever they are doing, and then they are putting a checkpoint onto the main chain, right? So that the first layer, the block producer layer, solves the scalability part, speed parts, and all the things like that. The second and the third layer 
solve the decentralization and the security part. So second layer, which is the validator layer, solves the decentralization, where which is a large layer. And if your transactions are not going through, you can broadcast it to any of the validators and stuff like that. And then on the main chain, you have the final layer of security, which you know everybody has to abide by because the main chain is more like a guardian angel, angel on top of this network. Network, right? If you do something wrong, if somebody is able to you know prove it on the main chain to the angel, uh, you know, or the Supreme Court, you can call it the main chain, so they can take harsh action against you. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I, th I think the way you described it again, I think it was, uh, and and I think this is something that is in your blog post as well, where you have mm -hmm. the block producers at the bottom. Um, and then you have the validators sitting on top of the block producers and at the top layer you have the main chain um, And so you leverage the security of the of, of Ethereum But then yeah. uh, you kind of focus on the other two aspects of the scalability trilemma through the other two layers uh, yes. And again, I think I would encourage everyone to go back yeah. to that blog post because I think it, It's difficult to kind of describe it when you're speaking But I think once you see it in a picture it becomes very clear or at least that's the way I work um, so a big focus for you has been usability. You mentioned that word a few times. You've created a plasma wallet and uh, and at least to my knowledge, I'm not sure. I mean, I think you would know better, but I don't think anyone, I, I don't know of any other uh, projects building a plasma wallet. Could you talk a little bit about that? What your motivation was? Um, uh, I, I mean, I guess your motivation is to make sure that it's easy for you uh, for the users to use. Uh, but could you talk a little bit more about uh, that plasma wallet? and how that helps the Matic ecosystem in general. Correct. So basically, you know, if you see in a, within our team, the long-term goal for us is that is to make blockchains invisible. Like the mass adoption will come for the users when they don't know that they're, they're even interacting with, with blockchain, with a blockchain or something as complex as a blockchain, right? The And that's the same with the normal internet. Like you don't, like a normal user, my mom, my dad don't realize that they are interacting with HTTP and TCP IP and, you know, uh, RPC protocols in the background, right? They don't need to. So, so that is the core, you know, motivation behind having a fully, uh, you know, highly user experience, uh, you know, evolved uh, wallet. And I think for now, for the kind of user experience now, we have done a fair amount of, uh, you know, fair, fair job with that in terms of uh, isolating many of these internal details on, onto that. And then Plasma also, once a user actually wants to use a Plasma sidechain, you have, you know, these, uh, these, these features like you have to draw deposit and, you know, withdraw your chains on the sidechain, funds on the sidechain, uh, from the sidechain to main chain. So, you know, just to make it very easier for the user. And then, you know, many of the people uh, would be knowing that we are also the core implementers of the Wallet Connect protocol, which is a Ethereum, uh, you know, grant protocol. So that protocol actually allows the user to have their, you know, private keys always on their phone. So, you know, I mean, the interaction, the way of interaction with, with any DAP or any application becomes like, you know, it you simply like you use a WhatsApp web, right? So you have a QR code, you scan and give permission, and then you enter into that application. And from there, whatever you do that remains in that scope of that, you know, uh, uh, authorization that you have provided. Any transactions you have to do, either you can give that app the permissions to do transactions on your behalf, or you can, you know, uh, allow each transaction. So anytime you try to do a transaction on an, any app on web or any anywhere else, even on mobile app, it will pop up on your, uh, you know, wallet, uh, the wallet connect wallet, and then you have to approve from there. 
right so as a user after a particular point you know you are you won't even know let's say if i am using one particular app and i have given the permission to app and it's my trusted app i don't even need to know that okay actually i'm i'm actually signing a blockchain transaction in front of me it simply goes to your mobile gets the signature from the private key there delays back to the network and you know the interaction happens in that way so so yeah that's the core philosophy about uh, the wallet to make it very easy for the users safe for the users so right now you know you have to either have a metamask or if you are going on a public public computer and you want to use a dapp you have to actually port your private key or you know put your mnemonic onto there and download metamask and then you can use it but imagine that future with something like a you know meta wallet connect enabled uh, matic wallet so you simply go to any you know public place you want to open a app simply open it it will show you a qr code you know scan it and log in into that whatever you want to do do it even if you forget to log out from there you can log, log out all the applications from your phone itself so that kind of feature future we want to promote uh, with 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 the wallet yeah i mean that that actually i think that was a great description again um, i recently delegated my loom and that was not uh, a very i mean you like you have to read the guide and and make sure that you know you don't miss any of the processes while moving your assets from the main mm-hmm. chain um, mm-hmm. to to the side chain um, so the, i think yeah. that's that is super super important uh, you have some hopefully interest- our wallet will will be you know a a bit better in that scope and it will of, of course it will keep on evolving with more user uh, input yeah so, uh, so i mean j- a quick question actually i mean i had a follow up question uh, on that so do you still have to move your assets from the main chain to the side chain so when you are, so let's say you have 100 ether on or 10 ether on uh, main chain yeah. and you want yeah. to move uh, let's say 10 ether to side chain and use it there for some gaming or whatever then you have to like do one transaction it's like you know you use these applications like paytm and all right so you have money you are in your bank and you use paytm or venmo you take some of your money to paytm or venmo and then you use it and if you want to withdraw it you can withdraw it to the to the main chain so con- consider ethereum as your bank and this side chain as like a decentralized paytm you take it there use whatever you want to use play games you know pay bills whatever whenever you want to uh, you know bring the leftover money back you can bring it back okay and and again and, and this might be but so when you when you once you've moved your assets from the main chain to the side chain um are you still able to send uh assets to i guess it, within the matic ecosystem you will be able to interact with other erc20 tokens right yes. within the within the matic wallet yeah right? and and the beauty is beauty is that even like let's say you brought your money from the main chain to side chain like one 10 ether and i am not there on the main main chain uh, on yeah. the on the matic side chain right? that was my next Just question like, yeah so you send it to me like you still send it to my normal ethereum address i give it give you my ethereum address you send it to that i will be able only thing from the receiver side is that i will have to you know go to the matic side chain to claim it back right okay other so- so on, on the receiver side you still have to go to the matic chain right it's not like yes. it's not like you're receiving into your ethereum wallet and that no so on the receiver side you have to do but imagine that kind of uh, you know uh, feature with with like a you know uh, i mean i mean i mean for example if you want to use lightning network then both the parties have to be on lightning they need to have a channel and stuff like that right and that's where we think that in terms of payments we will 
you know uh, we we can give uh, the you know the the lightning network or the state channel implementation uh, applications or the protocols run for their money because you know in our case the user experience is extremely good like you don't have to create any channels and stuff like that simply do the transactions uh, whatever you want to do the receiving party has to you know withdraw it they can they are at their own discretion if they think that the amounts are big enough they want to withdraw it's okay and it's also like you know more about creating that ecosystem like on paytm when you send send money or venmo when you send money to me generally because the ecosystem has become so big and i can use it at so many avenues i don't end up withdrawing it to the main chain the end goal is that you know you should you should have enough amount of uh, you know opportunities to spend those tokens or like your assets on the side chain itself so yeah, yeah. so they never leave the matic ecosystem <laughs> you so, don't so, need yeah, to that's the network effect that's the network effect <laughs> part of it right? <laughs> yeah sounds good um and you have some interesting uh, applications uh, building on matic now and um, you also had some interesting partnerships could you talk a little bit about what those interesting ones are you know some mm-hmm. that i mean some that are already there and and also like the kind of applications that you would want to see on matic or what matic is suited for i know a big focus for you beyond the usual applications i mean beyond like you know things like gaming a big focus for you is decentralized finance and you want to be kind of geared towards that could you talk a little bit about that yeah 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 so as you like you summarize it very well that you know the general blockchain use cases like uh, you know gaming and payments and all that they have been explored by others and matic is also fully like much much advanced i would say in comparison to the other uh, solutions in these regards uh, but apart from that we have a heavy focus on decentralized finance where which we think is like you know picking up very fast so you know i think payments decentralized finance and gaming are going to be the bigger use cases which will get adopted first and then later other things will follow so yeah so focus is there and uh, you know to yeah. what you i mean i think one of the announcements you're also trying to build sort of the uh, you know different parts of the tech stack within the matic ecosystem you made an announcement with anchor um, regarding cloud computing uh, again do you have similar other partnerships kind of in the pipeline or like what's your i mean you know going forward how will the matic ecosystem look like yeah so you know there are two parts of it so you you are this is a very pertinent question so there are two parts of our adoption strategy one is that of course the applications which will which can use matic network side chains to build their decentralized applications and 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 things like that the other part we are approaching is that what like and that that comes under the you know the 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 viral uh, network effects is that is to enable some of the other you know platforms or uh, protocols to use uh, whatever matic is more suitable to be used for their ecosystems also so if imagine you know in future uh, multiple protocols uh, also apart from the applications that we have that we discussed gaming and you know uh, stuff like that decentralized finance apart from that if other protocols also are able to use matic network for the purposes for the purposes where matic network is slightly better or provides better features that also adds to the overall network effect of the side chains so that's if the is the core strategy over there and we have a lot of projects uh, like that who are you know who we are discussing with and then we want to like you know uh, we want to like first have some sort of technical implementations in hand and then kind of take them out yeah, yeah. No, i'm super excited to uh, uh, regarding all those developments 
Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, we're kind of nearing the half an hour mark. Uh, mm-hmm. What I want to do is uh, talk, uh, I mean, we've talked a lot about Matic. I think mm-hmm. it's been a pretty interesting and difficult journey for you as well. We met in July, August last year, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you've had an incredibly tough time fundraising. Um, mm-hmm. That was also not the easiest of times to fundraise. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, I think, uh, and again, I, I would want to get your opinion as well, whether geography uh, so, you know, you based out of, uh, I think you're currently in San Francisco, but uh, I think some of your team is based out of India. Um, you know, did that impact your kind of journey? Like how difficult was it to fundraise? Um, and, and how did Binance happen and, and how does that help you? Yeah. So, I mean, geography does make a lot of difference. Like the, the teams which are there either in, especially the blockchain teams who are there in, uh, in in San Francisco or you know Korean um, ecosystem or Chinese ecosystem for them raising money and you know going out to the public is is slightly easier because they have access to those those funds and they those funds can can you know actually trust those people slightly easier than you know trusting a team based out of let's say India or you know some other countries like that maybe some other countries of the continent subcontinent so that you know does elongate your your you know struggle a bit and we also you know did that a lot like last and the markets were also really bad at that time so uh, but but you know uh, we i think we were we did a good job at you know staying very lean you know and at very less cost we kept on building and you know kept on shipping out our uh, things and uh, you know binance is is like a leading uh, you know, game changer in this space, I would say. And then right now, the kind of work that they are doing for the ecosystem to support teams, fellowships, they are, they are like supporting open source, uh, open source contributors by their fellowships and the Binance Labs, you know, incubation is helping a lot of small time startups to build their applications and build, you know, build their MVP and stuff. So they're doing a lot of work. And I think we got benefited from, uh, you know, that those initiatives of Binance, they saw saw us, uh, you know, uh, saw about our post. So we actually, you know, keep regularly featuring, keep featuring in the Ethereum weekly updates, wherever we are, you know, putting up a new, let's say, implementation or, uh, you know, approach to solve some problem. So I think they saw, it, saw us about that from there and then initially reached out in a lighter manner and then, you know, kept on watching us and our growth. And then, you know, went into more of like a heavy handed evaluation. And for us, like it was a very rigorous and very long evaluation. It took like for us, it took took almost like, you know, uh, I think seven, eight months. I mean, you were you were talking about we met in back in August. I think by that time, our brief like initial evaluation had started at that time itself. Uh, but of course, that was very confidential at that time. And then, you know, it slowly, slowly, slowly. Uh, Kept on and and I think for any budding developer, I think your question is more towards like if some developers are looking at it, especially from the India space. I would say that keep shipping out your product, keep you know reaching out to the community because as a startup, you have you are expected to not only technically develop things but also take it out to public, right? So keep doing that, keep interacting on Twitter. Uh, crypto Twitter is like you know the, one of the main areas where you can showcase these, and then you know. The, the 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 better ecosystem players in this space will find out what about you specifically for the indian and you know upcoming uh, 
developers we have launched a very big uh, 500k uh, you know developer support program usd so that program is purely focused towards the teams like us because you know one of the core resolutions of our co-founding team has been that the problems that we faced and i think i i we also like i think i i mentioned to you sometime also that we like it's it's like for me personally because i was leading these uh, this fundraising effort for me it's my you know like sort of my mission life mission that you know i would try to reduce these problems for uh, other startups so especially the early stage ones so so yeah that way i mean we have already done that like i think uh, you must have seen the crypto store applications on twitter and uh, you know their demos and things like that so they are very young age kid hardly 19 20 years old and we are supporting them every way we can to you know to for them to build their application yeah yeah no well, I, I, you know, i know i know it's uh, i mean I, i've been following a little bit and we've been in touch a little bit um hmm. i i know how difficult the journey has been for you but i think uh, it, it, i think this is a great note to in, end the interview on also but i think i think that's the power of this new sort of industry as well right where uh, you can actually access uh, you know instead of i think things are becoming more meritocratic like you said right yeah. um, if you if you keep building keep shipping if you're if you you know stay persistent uh then at some point you will get noticed and you'll get access to global capital markets correct right? exactly it's, it's you don't have to just rely on uh vcs from a particular region you can actually just you know kind of reach out to everyone everyone yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and i think that's the power of this industry as well i think i guess that's what this industry stands for as well yep yep yep, yep. all right sandeep uh, thank you so much for taking the time uh, it's been great chatting and uh, i look forward to all the developments uh, coming yeah. from your end yeah thanks a lot thanks a lot i mean it's always good to chat with you it was like you know in this format also it was very good and yep. uh, you know look forward to keep speaking to you guys also If you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud or wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Telegram and subscribe to our newsletter on decrypt.asia. This is your host Tushar. Thank you for listening.